Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with the wonderful co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitep. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. So today is a really exciting episode that we want to share with you all. We are going to show you what it's like to be in a product-based mastermind. And how are we going to do that? Well, we've got three product entrepreneurs joining us on this episode where we are going to put put them in that hot seat position. So in masterminds, you tend to be in a hot seat and you'll come up with a big question that you want a bunch of minds to come together on and answer for you. And so we're going to show you what it's like to be in your hot seat in a mastermind working with us with product experts. So you may be in a mastermind, but it might not be product focused and you'll be able to really see what the difference is between someone coming from a product background versus just being in a typical mastermind with a lot of ideas being thrown at you. Yeah. I think there's a big difference between service-based coaches and product-based coaches. So you'll kind of get in a little sneak peek of what it's like to work with myself and Jacqueline directly and how that can make a difference in your business. So what's really exciting about the ladies that are on this episode is that they would fall into the three categories of masterminds we're launching in January. So we have our startup mastermind, we have our five-figure mastermind, and we have our six-figure and above mastermind. And each of these ladies, one is a startup, one has been in business, gone through a Kickstarter, and the other one has a business that she had multiple Etsy stores and had a brick and mortar and is also now working with wholesale vendors. And so it's really exciting. So thank you for listening and let's jump in. Okay, guys. So we are so excited to have Megan Harper of cardsnobco.com joining us. Welcome, Megan. Hi, thank you. So excited to be here. We're so excited that you're here. So Megan is the perfect example of a startup business, a startup product business where she would fit perfectly into our startup mastermind. So she has this amazing idea. She actually has a beautiful site built already, but she's still working through some of the startup questions that come with starting a business. So Megan, tell us a little bit about Cardsnob and then you can ask us your question. So Cardsnob is maybe a weird name, but (laughs) I'm wanting it to be a, you know, nicer quality cards that are things that you can send for every day though. So you're looking to send them to like your best friend, all your gal pals. Like it's definitely like female oriented, which I mean, most cards are, but definitely like the modern millennial woman is who I'm targeting here. And I just think it's so cool that you can easily send a card. It's such a small gesture, but it can mean so much to someone. And I really just want to like encourage and support women in general. Like I think women supporting women is so powerful and I really want to support that. So that's what card stamps all about, but I just want to make it really nice quality and very, you know, of the moment cards. Okay, great. So what, what are you needing help with Megan? So I'm needing help with figuring out which, like which direction to go to get started. 
because I feel like there's so many, there's so many options. And like, I try to like analyze everything and it's hard for me, you know, I just need to like do something, but I want to know, like, maybe what do I have the best chance? Like what would be the best direction to go that would give me like the best odds for success (laughs) with like a, a place to actually sell, sell them. Okay, great. So basically we're starting at square one. I am unsure if your business name hits with your target market. Just from you talking about it, that's my initial reaction to it. So I loved everything you said about having it be like, it could be called small gestures or, Mm -hmm. you know, like something where I'm not sure if you're connecting with a card snob. I kind of like went back and forth with that too. Uh I had a different, at first my name was card bar is what I was going with. And then card snob was kind of like in the back of my head because I like the ring to it. And I kind of asked a couple people and they seemed to like it. I love that resurgence of back to paper, you know, mm-hmm. sending out something, receiving it in the mail. It is such a beautiful small gesture that's like kind of like a throwback. I think millennials, a part of them, <laughs> some of them <laughs> want to get back to that whole analog mm-hmm. thing. I think that is something that you need to show more in your brand. Megan actually has a pre-launch website up right now. I think it needs to fit that more. You're wondering what to do. I think your question that you had emailed us is that, should you go straight to boutique? Should you go wholesale? Should you go you know, direct to consumer on your website? I think that the number one thing since you're in startup is that you have to start at the foundation. What's your cost? What's your margin? And can you ultimately go wholesale with those costs and with that margin? And what are you going to be selling for? And how are you reaching your target market? Is your target market in the boutiques, you know, or is it online? You know, so really starting with who your avatar is, how you're going to serve them, and then how you want to show yourself and your own brands. And with, you know, even with like the business name and all that stuff, and then see if you can ultimately round out this whole business idea. So what do you think, Jacqueline? Agreed. So when you're saying going back to the foundation, I actually like the name, but then when you talk about it, it's a bit different, right? Mm-hmm. So it's card snobs a bit cheeky. Sounds like it could potentially be fun. If you listen to one of our episodes with John McQuaid of uh, Pins and Paper, he has, his stuff is sort of, and there are two guys doing it, right? But sort of aligned in the same idea, but he's doing, they're, they're doing pins, like enamel pins, Mm -hmm. which makes it different. It's just, it's more than just like the card. So if that name is something that you really want to go by, then maybe the messaging is a bit different. You know, what is, uh, remember online you would get those, they look like cards, but they were, they were digital greeting cards and they were always cheeky. It looked like an old fashioned drawing. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's like, yeah. was it e-cards or? Yes. And you could send something like a woman like cooking, but Mm -hmm. then whatever it was saying was sort of really cheeky. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what I'm, what I feel needs to happen here first is that you have to really figure out your customer avatar. Mm -hmm. So the name will come. So if the name exists, great. If, if, if it works for what your avatar is, if it needs to change, that's something else. But the, the customer avatar is so important to really hone in on what she needs and, and it's one person. So it's not all the people. Yeah. It's one person. You might give her name. Her name might be Jane and she might be 33. Does Jane have kids? Does Jane, is Jane still single? And she's got time to send cards to her friends. That's yeah. it. Those are the things you have to start thinking about. And then once you really figure out who your avatar is, then we can figure out where she shops and how you're going to sell to her and what the graphics are going to look like and what the words are going to say. Because okay. we need and to know what she's buying. To- Yeah. Yeah. Like typically, you know, people just don't think, oh, I'm going to send them a card. So you're going to have to really dig for that sell and that why. 
So if I were to place an order on your site, am I going to just place the order, get the card to me, and then I ship it to my friend? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. There, I used to, and I miss it so much. And I don't know if it was through like minted or whatever. Like there was, there used to be a service that I could buy cards. You could customize cards with like pictures. So for Christmas or whatever. And then it would actually, I would type in the message and it would send it, they would send it directly to my father in law for his birthday. Mm-hmm. I do not send cards anymore because. <laughs> 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 the process of mm-hmm. being on time versus being able to automate it. Yeah. So that's another thing. If we're thinking about the millennial and like the analog versus digital and like, and there's also this idea of like subscription services, mm-hmm. just to think about it in a more robust way, is there something you can actually shortcut to? Like, is there a way that, let's say you could put in your best friend's birthdays or something. Mm-hmm. You may like be able to do that. It might send them reminders and yeah. maybe there's a way that you can mail it for them. Yeah. I've thought about something similar to that. And I guess the other side of this is that I learned calligraphy. And so my designs are, I'm trying to incorporate calligraphy and everything and addressing envelopes and stuff like that was something I thought of, but obviously not something you can really like scale. I can't, you know, address, address like a million envelopes. So, but that's something that I thought about as for people that maybe like as an add-on or something, but maybe there's a way to automate that. So the calligraphy is something that you're going to do, but you're printing it, right? Right. I'm going to design it with calligraphy and then create right. the actual like printable card. Okay. Cause you know, there's still, you print, I even saw right now on, I was on Shutterfly, for example, they're mm-hmm. really pushing these like really beautiful envelopes where they're actually mm-hmm. printing like oh, really? Christmas plaid, stuff like that. So they're update, they're actually selling fancier envelopes Okay. because we're recording this during the holiday season of 2018. So there's a lot of cards being sent, right? Mm -hmm. So that's just, it's a little bit different, but it's just a way to think if you get into the mindset of your avatar, what's going to make it easy. So another couple of things I want to just tell you about, there's a site called Greetable and I've signed up, there's a membership and I've signed up and I get free shipping and I get to put together these little boxes like specifically for people as gifts. They're small, on average, I'll probably spend between 20 and $30, but I don't have to worry about getting it, shipping it, or the lazy way of Amazon and people just getting Amazon boxes for Hanukkah and Christmas. So just thinking if that works into the model, and I think you're going to figure that out once you analyze your customer. The other thing I just want to point out is that we are huge fans of this of this brand. It's called Fun Club. It's shopfunclub.com and we got to meet the owner and she has like, she does printed stuff. So she really hit big. She started with balloons that said like big butts or I love big butts, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Super so, cheeky stuff for warning guys. Those are cheeky. super hard to find actually. <laughs> no exactly. pun intended. Like <laughs> balloons. <laughs> yeah. So like she has like a bag. I'm looking at her line. She has a bag that says healthy crap, just just kidding. It's alcohol. <laughs> okay. So her name fun club, it sounds fun. And she's really kind of like, kind of that, you know, there's like a little bit of sourpuss to her in here and like something funny. But, and then when we met her at a trade show and she was her and the person selling were dressed in these like adorable kind of like pinky, like old fashioned retro shirts. So they just encompass their brand. Yeah. Same with Jean McQuaid. They were dressed like boy scouts with pins all over them because they have pins on their cards. Yeah. So just want you to pull your brand together and then the product and where you're going to sell it, that will all unfold once you really understand who the avatar is. Yeah. And even it might not look the same as what you think. For instance, Jacqueline was talking about Greetable, right? Greetable, actually, they will send out stuff for you and you can put in photos. We actually put in quotes, like quotes Mm -hmm. that we've laid out that say like, let's build together or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you get to select the gift that goes inside of it. So it's like a card that wraps up a gift. So 
you could actually be a service to Greetable, for instance. There's people who sell Trello templates. There's people who sell, you know, Asana templates. This could be your platform that you get on that you say, hey, I'll set up a Greetable for you. You're a small business owner and a millennial. That might be your avatar right there is the women empowered millennial that owns her own business. And you are setting up a Greetable for them so they could send it to their customers. So it might look differently. You might want to unfold this a little bit since you're such an clear startup, what's going to hit with your target market and how they want to deliver in the long run. Do they actually want to deliver something to their clients or do they want to deliver something to their friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and their family? So meeting their needs, basically. I struggled with that because I was thinking about like myself, if I was buying a card and, you know, coming up with ideas that would resonate with me. But I feel like sometimes I'm funny and I'm not going to want to be too serious, but then sometimes like your friends go through some serious things. You don't really know what to say. So you just want to, you know, just having something simple on a card just to say like, I'm thinking of you or something like that. So it's kind of like, I don't know. It's hard to decide. Like I kind of want to be able to be multifaceted, but I get what you're saying about really like deciding who that person is. But that person can can be the same person because they're going to have the same humor. Right. So we're looking for, because there's a bit of humor to this, we're looking for someone who's going to, you can say something like that and they're not going to be like, oh my goodness, you know? So my best friend and I always joke that when we are older, we're actually both going to be together and move to Hawaii and like wherever (laughs) our husbands are, like it's, they can just stay kind of thing. (laughs) And it's just an inside joke that we have that's now outside that's on the podcast. But you know, it's something like that where her and I are able to joke about stuff because we're friends forever, mm-hmm. it's within our humor. But if we, if I met a mom at my school and I told her that, she might be like, hold on, <laughs> like, you know, are you and your yeah. husband okay? It's like, yes, but we <laughs> love each other so much that yeah. in the end, it's like, you know. So I think, I think what, what we're saying is just figuring out who the avatar is and she'll have different places within your site of what she can buy. So if it's more of like a first serious section, then, you know, like divorce sucks, but I'll always be here for you. You know, it's something like I'm saying that versus like with sympathy. Mm -hmm. And I think your millennial avatar, you have to know that they're going to get it. So that's what Jacqueline was saying about your millennial has to be, your avatar has to be someone who would get your jokes. Yeah. You know, get your inside jokes. So like there's certain things like I was saying, like throwbacks or for instance, Gen Z will never know what a dial tone sounds like, you know, and then probably the young millennials as well, but things that they get because they were born of that age. Right. And even the, I like big butts thing. I bet you anything that some people don't get that joke. I wrapped ice ice baby to my sister who's 10 years younger than me. And she said, what, what? (laughs) She's she's my sister, but she's 10 years younger. So we are just different, you know? And I think she's still on the millennial cusp, but she's, we're in different places. So it's even, that's what I'm saying. Like you target your 33 year old or your 35 year old, like you find that age that they are when you're launching. Cause you're going to grow with them as well. Yeah. Right. Cause you're not going to pick up the people most likely and that's a growth strategy too, but like the 25 year olds that will eventually be 33, they may still not get your humor. So you're going to have to kind of age with us. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, if it's millennial or Jacqueline are actually Zennials. We're right somewhere. in between. Yeah. Yeah. We're somewhere. <laughs> of the older, but we're Zaniel. So we get different things too. So if you really, really narrow in on the one person, you're probably going to trickle in things that people get. Right. So it's like how we say she's named Jane. She's super specific. You're talking only to her. So it makes it very clear. So you can kind of 
hone your message and and feel good selling to her. But yeah. it, there's a chance that you're going to be pulling in outside people as well. So I think that the main thing that you need to start with is figuring out your client avatar, figuring out your costs, and then you worry about where you're selling to after you figure out why she's buying or why. Because if, if you decide, like if, if your printer gives you a huge minimum, then we know that you have to probably go wholesale because there's, you, it's going to be hard for you to sell thousands of pieces on your site when you first launch, right? right. Then it might be that you are going to go wholesale and then that's a whole other model that we could take you through or both. And so what you would do is you'd have some sold on your site as if your site is your own personal store mm-hmm. plus the wholesale model. If you're able to kind of keep the price at somewhere that someone would pay, would pay. So most of us have probably at some point spent $12 at Papyrus on a card. So, <laughs> and then you regret it, <laughs> but you can see where your pricing is. I think you were about $7.99 what I saw on your site. Mm-hmm. So if you, if your printer can print 10 to 20, then maybe it is that you can push it on a smaller level as you're sort of testing. So right now you're going to be in this sort of startup mode of, of testing beta. You might start with less and then what works is what you're going to then build on. Yeah. And then, you know how you said that it was card bar before mm-hmm. I'm actually that customer that buys, like I go to Trader Joe's and I'll be like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to pick up five cards just in case I need them. Yeah. And then I just save them for later. So in that instance, you could actually bundle up different designs if mm-hmm. your margin isn't there and then have that at a certain price and then maybe a subscription model maybe they get five cards every month that they send out yeah. to their special people you know and it's different variations that way so it's definitely where you get to choose right now what you want to do and who you want to target and then the platform and the model of making money will come after that so hard to decide <laughs> i know Product. like you want to do everything yeah you do you know? But at the same time, you want to make sure that it aligns with what you ultimately want to do too. And and then your margin has to be there. Otherwise, you're just being busy with all this fun stuff. Even though it's fun yeah. right now, it's not going to be fun later on when you're not making any money. And then also just knowing who your customer is makes everything so much easier. When you're writing emails, when you're doing Insta stories, when your brand is on you know, Pinterest, you know who you're talking to. And if you're just talking to that one person, it's simpler. And, you know, and then therein lies the fun part of growing. So we all have potential to do everything and Mm -hmm. all the things, but we don't need to. And this is just the very beginning of your business. So the goal of a startup is we do not want you to blow all of your money when you start, because really usually your first collection of anything is going to be really a test phase and it's going to be at the second, third, the multiple. So why we want you to really kind of like hone in is find that core, find that, that, platform, what do we call it? Foundation that you're going to build on because without a solid foundation, it's going to crumble. Right. So, so it doesn't mean you're not able to do all of it. You will, and you'll do the things that are correct that will not drain the money and like, and spread you too thin. And then the business will have to fold because it it spent its money everywhere else. So Mm -hmm. that's really our goal for you is that we kind of like hone you in, figure out what's the core, what is the real like soul to this? Why you decided that you were going to start this business, why you're going to spend time away from your family, why you're going to spend your money to make this. Let's do it right. Start it off. And and it's flexible and organic and something, it'll change as you start to see what your customers really want. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's not a forever decision. Like for instance, you naming it card snob, you can always change it later if you want to, right? Mm-hmm. Or you could keep it the same. This is getting the clarity in that startup stage and then evolving it to and iterating it however you need to, because that might be the name that actually fits really well. And it's your way of testing it out. 
how soon do you think would be too soon to change it since I just, if I were to change it? I want you to do your avatar before you make any other decision. And we will send it to you off air and we do have an episode on your ideal customer avatar. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. So if anyone else is feeling the way that you're feeling, (laughs) you can access it. So I think that'll, I think that's a good place. And so if you were in the mastermind with us, for example, we would also then set a goal. So we might then say in the next two weeks, what's your goal? And your goal might be, I'm going to do my avatar and I'm going to look up five competitors and see where I want to stand. So thank you for, for doing this with us and being so vulnerable and open. Could you, would you like to share how people can connect with you? Well, first off, just thank you guys so much. I appreciate that you gave up your time to help a little, little me. <laughs> so I really do appreciate that. But yeah, I'm at Cardsnob on Instagram and cardsnobco.com. Okay, everyone. So we are so excited to welcome Deneen Warrington of DeneenWarrington.com to the podcast. Deneen, why don't you go in and explain your business and um, what your question would be? So I'm a business attorney. That's, that's my background. I've been practicing law for 18 years, but I've always wanted to create my own physical planner product and planning tools, organizational tools. And I launched a planner in 2016 on Kickstarter. It was a project planner. I set my goal too high. I did raise money, but I set my goal too high. So the Kickstarter wasn't successful. And I kind of took a step back. And a lot of online entrepreneurs knew I was an attorney because I would mention it in the business law. So they started to seek me out for legal services. And my actual area of focus is contracts, commercial contracts and IP. So that went hand in hand with online entrepreneurs. So I started to service clients like that, but I really am more interested in creating products because I've been servicing clients for 18 years now and I want to move more into creating and making. So my question to you all was, can I merge planner and legal together? And kind of already know what you're going right? to say. Janine? I have templates. Yes. Mm-hmm. Deneen, I love your question. And I think that we get a ton of service-based people that want to do the same thing because they want to make it that shift in their business. I love that you're doing a planner, but I think that your unique selling point and every physical product that needs to be sold has a unique selling point. Your unique selling point is your legal knowledge. And mm-hmm. so if there's some way to merge the two, there definitely is. I think, by the way, everybody, IP is intellectual property. So if there's some way that you can somehow merge the two, it would be like planning, but also it'd be very targeted. So people who want to make sure that they're legally covered. So it could be a planner that has like a checklist of when do you know, when do you need to trademark or here's the process of how to trademark yourself. So it adds value to your planner and gives it a unique spin where people, it could be, it's not even really, it could be anybody, it could be any business owner because those real business owners should actually always be thinking about the legal side of their business you know, and I'll give you an example. There's a woman that does spreadsheets and all she does is she sells Excel spreadsheets. So these are digital Excel spreadsheets that break down manufacturing costs, inventory costs, all that stuff. And the Excel spreadsheet is already formatted. So she's an Excel whiz. So you just put in the numbers and then the Excel magic happens and then you get your numbers at the end. And so with you, that's your magic is the legal side that we have no idea about. It might, for her, she's just thinking, oh, this is so simple. I'm just formatting this Excel spreadsheet. With you, you're thinking, oh, I've dealt with this for 18 years. 
you know, nobody really wants a checklist. Well, we do. We want that checklist. Jacqueline and I actually need that checklist right now. (laughs) We really do. And I think that if you can get behind the fact that your avatar is a business owner that finds value in wanting to trademark and protect their IP and all that stuff, that's your avatar. And you'll probably pull in general people that find value Mm -hmm. in that because normally you'd have to pay you, right? (laughs) What do you think, Jacqueline? So yes. So I think there's a couple things here. So if you think about your clients, because I'm a, I, my business has been built on clients. So my built, my business is built on clients. And sometimes what you have to realize is the same conversation you have all the time, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. when they're a startup or there's someone coming to you in the beginning, they don't even know how to do, let's call it like a test search to find their, most people you probably will agree, will tell you they bought the website, but have not checked if the trademark's available. Would you say? Correct. Yes, <laughs> definitely. If you see the video, you should see Sonine's face. She's like, uh, yes. <laughs> but then you will have some people like, oh, I went to the USPTO and I did a search, but there's a way to search that website is very old. The way you search is just Boolean searches. It's it's a way to search it. So a lot of people, they search it, but they don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. So they pull up and it's like, oh, there's nothing that, you know, conflicts. But then I go into it. I was like, there's a list of things. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, it's an art that we're taught and you only know it because you do it. Right. But it's teachable. And they it's don't, teachable, yes. and they don't know the categories that they have to be trademarked amongst like different categories. So because I like definitely am an expert in startup, we're kind of in the same boat where I'll tell them, they'll be like, I bought the website. It's good. And then they get a cease and desist. And I'm like, you need to call an attorney <laughs> because you've just spent all this money mm-hmm. on logos and you were able to get it on GoDaddy. But what does that mean? So if you think about something that's very consistent in your clientele, for example, it could this could be something you give your clients, right? In the very beginning, it could be like a business startup mm-hmm. planner even. I know it's a little bit different than the stuff that you want, but if you think about it, merging the idea of like the business planner, the really niche down planner to something fun and cute and enjoyable because, mm-hmm. because it can go the trade, like the IP trademark, there could be the startup one where it's like, as you're starting to think about it, these are the steps that I would walk you through. And it could be other things, but it could have like little boxes at the bottom and say, did you do this? So that's just one way. So I think what Mina's trying to say is if you, if you niche it down. So the question is, is can you sell your, who's buying your templates or who would you sell your templates to? I have three different phases of business that I see people are in after working with clients. It's like that foundation, the seed, like they're trying to figure out what their product is. They're trying to validate it and they put themselves out there. They don't, they don't really need any robust legal, but they need some protections in place. So they would need to get a contract. Like the con- a contract is the easiest way to protect yourself when you're working with a client. So I see, I won't call them newbies, but it's a new business, a new idea, a new service. And also existing businesses who are starting to add more services. They're getting more clients and they realize you know, something that they piece together themselves isn't working. So they want something that's been drafted by an attorney, but they're still not ready to get a custom contract. And because I've drafted contract for 18 years now, there, as long as you buy a lawyer drafted template, you should be fine unless it's a complex issue or a complex business transaction. If you have a major brand approach you and they want to do a deal with you and they have that team of lawyers, you need a lawyer. <laughs> you need a lawyer to come in for your contract. Don't grab something off of the internet. Even if you purchased it from an attorney, you still need someone to come in 
and look at it. So those are basically the startups and then the ones that don't need custom. So I love that actually, that pretty much you don't even realize that you already have packages ready to go, you know, and that we can sell all of our clients. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's like having, and try to envision it as a physical product, right? So the templates inside of, let's say a box, an invisible box, right? So it's a template inside of a box Mm -hmm. with the planner. So there, and then also in the planner, there could be trigger dates, even like the couple of different types of planners or sort of like this, the startup planner, right? So it's something fun. Like you're going to, you're going to rock this year, you know, something like mm-hmm. motivational because the call we just got off of, and it's going to be on this podcast. She was a startup person. She's got the idea. She, she wants to do what she wants to do, but there's a lot of stuff. She has no idea that's in ahead. Right. So maybe mm-hmm. in your planner, it's like, this is, these are the places you're going to need to pay attention to. Did you do this? Did you do this? So like a little bit of a checklist. So somewhat of your template built into a planner. Then there's the planner. Then there's sort of the, because we don't know when their start date is when they're buying the planner, right? But it could be six weeks after you've, you know, submitted your trademark, check it. Or you should be hearing at this point that you should be hearing back from your attorney or if you did it yourself. You know, like little things that are common knowledge to you that you can add in so they can actually like write it into their planner. They could go, okay, I've submitted my trademark today. I'm going to check in six weeks to see if it's filed. If there's some hiccup, I should at least at that point be able to see that that's happened. So you're just taking the stuff that's so common in your head that you're teaching people over and over and making it in Mm -hmm. an easily digestible way to make this fun, but make sure that they're somewhat covered legally. And then if they're not, they can contact you and you can help them. I think an important thing for you is to really, again, niche down on your avatar. And your your main question was, can it be the same person? If you're really specific to this avatar, yes. If you're doing a planner for just the girl, just any girl that likes planners, no. Like they're, diff- they're totally different customers. But if you're doing this for the business owner that ultimately would need your 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 service, because like Mina said, this is your magic. Like this is your secret power, mm-hmm. the knowledge that you have. And that's what would make your planner stand out to people. It would be the thing that would be circulated. There are so many business groups, right? Entrepreneurial right. groups. This would be the thing that would be circulated to those people that, oh my goodness, did you see that there's this like this legal planner? Cause other things people don't know about, like a work for hire agreement, like no idea. I was just told a continuity plan, right? If something right. happened to my business, but that's where I am now. That's the scale of the business that I'm at. Something happened to me. How would my business continue as I'm going? Right. So we all have different struggles. So I think your planner is a product. Your templates are also a product. I think you as a, like you could do Facebook groups, you could do videos. We're kind of teaching a little bit on it and selling them into buying these things, but it's really making sure that your avatar is the same person, which we feel like it's your current clients as an attorney. Mm -hmm. There's so many planners out there. You can get it at Michael's. You can get them at Walmart. The brands that stick out are the ones that have the secret sauce. There's a unique selling point that lifts them to the front, right? The, The reason why people buy. So I think that unless you can somehow come up with something that isn't legally combined, that is your secret sauce. That's what you've been doing for 18 years, you know? We still like pretty yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, yeah. see, so I'm, that's me. I don't that. know if you, right. If you saw my Instagram, I'm, I love pretty. I mean, it makes everything better. Mina and I right here are customers for you. So we still go and buy the really expensive journals and, and Mina is like the one who taught me about 
how she would plan out her calendars. Like Mm -hmm. she has paper calendar. Eventually she puts it into a hard one. So that's the other thing, right? And actually, so it's similar because this is what happens in our masterminds. Similar questions that are coming up in the hot seats are sometimes very similar. So you'll, they'll see this on this episode between the hot seats. So one, it's the avatar. Two, it's, we were talking about analog versus digital. People who are using planners are not my sister who was born in 1990. She's like (laughs) digital, right? Right. Phone calls are a whole other thing. So we're talking about the person who still likes the physical paper, the planner, they're gonna they want to take this along with them. So you're still hitting an age range. Probably also the entrepreneur that's like serious about hiring an attorney or really wants to do this the right way versus again, I work with startups all the time. I can't tell you how many like 22 year olds I have that are like, yeah, I'm just gonna do a Kickstarter and yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need a consultant, like I'm good, you know, and you're like Good luck, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) They don't need your planner. They don't need me. Nothing. Until, until, I can't say that, but until stuff hits the fan. Exactly. Exactly. And I've gotten, and literally the two that I'm thinking about, bless their Brooklyn, like hearts, like, like (laughs) just, just, they came back to me. They're like, we did this. And then this happened and this happened. And I'm like, yeah, well, I, I, and I appreciate those clients because they've gone through it. Like they've gone through the fan. And so they then understand the need for an expert or a consultant or a professional to help them through their businesses. So I I think you can find the, and we actually on our podcast had Lauren Black. She does Bosscation. She does like how as a CEO or a boss, you can go on a Bosscation and work on part of your business. Her stuff is beautiful and beautifully branded and just lovely. And it's, it's kind of that idea of like taking something still being very specific and it's still the fun thing that you want to keep because you're creative and you want right. something fun and creative. I can't, yeah. And that. even Jamie Lieberman of Hashtag Legal, they change and they've been wanting, their goal is to change the conversation when it comes to legal expertise, right? Yes. Especially in this creative realm. I think you're very much similar in that where you're definitely more approachable than the average lawyer. <laughs> you or, know. What, or what people, <laughs> and what I, people imagine to be. Yeah. I take that as a total compliment. But Oh it, gosh, it is I, a compliment. <laughs> but you know, and the weird thing is like my background, I started at a Wall Street law firm. So I've worked with (laughs) some very (laughs) old traditional attorneys and it never just suited and felt right to me the way we approach legal. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's why I really enjoy working with entrepreneurs. It's, you know, it's a breath of fresh air. I feel like I'm really touching someone and helping them. So I never thought about the legal planner, but you're not the first one to mention it, but I always said no, but here... (laughs) But I didn't even think about making it pretty and bringing really who I am into it and still making it fun. Would be what makes you stand out. Please do not make right. a boring legal. No one's going to I could not make it boring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it has to be fun. I have to enjoy doing doing something. And I didn't want to create a planner that was stuffy. And that's what people don't want is they don't want another stuffy planner. They want something that is like approachable and fun. You don't even have to make it fun. It's just approachable, right? Approachable and that they could in layman's term, figure out where they want to go on the surface level. Cause you know, obviously they need to hire a lawyer if they want to get in deeper. Right. And so you're able to really break it down. You'll see this even when Jacqueline and I are consulting, there's certain things that we will teach on 
in a podcast episode that can't be even be touched on a deeper level unless we go into like a master class or the mastermind right. or something. Exactly. And so that's what you're doing is you're breaking it down and then putting it into like a box. You really could make this a bundle. It could be your pretty planner and then your templates would be adding the value. It could be, you know, a bundle. So then right. it's like, like what legal zoom tries to sell you for all the money. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I've had clients come to me they, after going to legal zoom, just, they may never be a sponsor <laughs> on this podcast from this conversation, but but I started my business on it and set up my business completely wrong, right? Because you think you can, because the promise is high, but the in, but like you said in the very beginning of this call that you could do a test search and you don't know really what you're searching for, right? And same right. thing with when you're setting your business, are you an S corp or a C corp or a partnership? I have, you know, I've launched multiple businesses at this point and there's still questions. So just to also pull it back a little bit for you, it could be legal focused, right? Because you tell me you're an attorney. I have a totally different respect for the knowledge that you have. You know, it's the same way like we talk about Jamie Lieberman. Like she'll, she knows worst case scenarios. So she'll tell you to protect yourself up front just to do it, right? So, she, so it might be like, well, you can or you can't, but she'll be like, you know what? Just go safe. So for you, it could still be a business startup planner in a way right? It could still have more information in it that's fun and creative. It doesn't all have to be legal jargon and legal focused because you still know the steps that things go through, right? Like, and I have this in my at designer consulting co-op. I have a, when clients sign up with me, I have a before you begin. I am not an attorney, but I know have you set up your business? Do you have your resale license? Do you have a garment manufacturer's license? I have a whole section of like the things to do before you begin. I'm not going to help you do it, but I'm asking you, did you do it? And then the next thing is like, is this trademarkable? Is it patentable? Do you need to deal with that? So just the foresight mm-hmm. of the steps that typically are not known in people who are one day came up with an idea and decided they were going to do it. Right. You know, not everyone should start businesses or are, have the background to start a business. And so yeah. that's how I was trying to combine those two, like legal, especially business legal is mm-hmm. planning, is being proactive. And my day planner is the same thing. So I was trying hard to marry the two, but this actually does. Well, thank you so much for being on here. And would you mind just sharing with our listeners how they can connect with you? Sure. You can find my website is Deneen, D-E-N-E-E-N, Warmington, W-A-R-M-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. Facebook, same things, Deneen Warmington. Instagram, Deneen Warmington. And LinkedIn okay. also. Okay, you guys. So we are so excited to have Kristen Carlin of Rustic Grace join us today on the podcast. Welcome, Kristen. Hi. Hi. And Kristen, you actually would fit into our six-figure mastermind, just so you know, because you have a six-figure business. So we're going to let you just quickly ask us the question and we're going to show you what it's like to be in a hot seat. I'm super excited to be on here. Like I've listened to y'all for about a year now and So basically a little background is, is back in July, 2018, I had four Etsy shops running and then I had an infringement thing happen with me on Etsy for using the word onesie and it shut all four of my shops down. I'd been running those for five years. So I'd gotten up to six figures and at the time I was going through a divorce and I'm a single mom to three kids. So it was a lot happening and I just... Basically, when the Etsy shops shut down, I was like, what am I going to do? This is my full-time income. I can't go anywhere and make this kind of money if I do a nine to five. So I hit the Facebook page and I was like, okay, 
I'm going to engage in this. I'm going to build this. So I started engaging four posts a day in the morning, at lunchtime, in the afternoon, and then the evening. Evening is the most hottest time for me. It really, that's whenever I can sell the most because my customers are mainly moms or 30s to 40s around there buying t-shirts. So basically, I've been growing this before the Etsy shops had shut down. It had taken over my house so much that I was like, I need an outside spot. So I had signed a lease doing a brick and mortar. And then right after Etsy shops got shut down and I'm like, what am I going to do? I've either got to make the brick and mortar and the Facebook page work or what am I going to do? So I opened the brick and mortar, but over the past two months, I've had some issues and I'm just, it's sucking the life out of me. It's not fun anymore. It's not, it's taken the joy away from what I was doing because with just all the responsibilities that come with brick and mortar, my customers love it though, because they can come in and pick up their shirts. They don't have to have them shipped out. They can save on that. I have found a girl that's a few doors down. That's now going to be a location pickup for me. So I am offering that for my locals, but here lately, my biggest problem is, is that pricing with t-shirts has been very difficult. People are wanting t-shirts for a much cheaper price than what you see a lot of the online boutiques going for. And I don't know if that is my Facebook audience, if I've attracted that type of Facebook audience that is going for a cheaper product or what it is. But then I have a lot of people started asking me, can I get your heat transfers? Can I just get your designs? Can I put them on mine? And I really wanted Rustic Grace to turn into a wholesale tea thing. I just wanted my own t-shirt line. So my question is, is how do I take Rustic Grace with what it's been building up to? And it's a, a really good Facebook page with 7,100 likes and growing every day to where I can, because now I feel like it's not bringing in as much as what I can do, my heat transfers and wholesale teas. Do I run both? Do I make these two separate businesses? Because the heat transfers is running off the Facebook group, which means I can't run ads on that. So that is a struggle right there with now I'm growing this audience that's really great, but it's on a Facebook group. And I've got a huge following with a Facebook page, but it's not to say, I mean, there are a lot of them, customers that are on there that do buy the heat transfers from me. Just don't know if I'm, if I'm going to hurt myself presenting that on the Facebook page. So you're not in the brick and mortar at all now, right? I'm getting out of the brick and mortar, going okay. back to just doing online, less stress. Yeah, um, being but, away from your kids. Yes, that's been a big, big problem. So I think what I think is that you should, it's confusing when you say wholesale because wholesale typically is when you're, you have the produced t-shirt and you're giving it to a boutique at a wholesale price. I think what you're doing is you're becoming a like white label, private label manufacturer Mm -hmm. in a way, because you are producing a piece of the raw material in a way, a piece of the process. So basically you're giving them the design and they are heat pressing it on for their boutique. I get what you're saying about the Facebook groups not being able to be advertised to, but there's other Facebook groups that just have boutique owners as well. So it doesn't mean that you are just stuck because you can't do Facebook ads, right? You can also hit up B2B. You can just, you know, Mm -hmm. literally call these boutiques up and say, hey, I have this heat press t-shirt. You know, I'm not sure what the process is, but basically Mm -hmm. you pitch them and Mm -hmm. it becomes, you know, the normal, not the normal, the old school way of reaching out to boutiques. You call them on the phone, you pitch them via email and you hit the pavement, boots on the ground. So. 
Okay. So I think that that's really promising because of the growth that you've seen with it. And, and it also is able to hit a minimum minimum. So you say, here's how many you need to buy and make sure your margins are right. The reason why people want cheap t-shirts now is because they're everywhere. It's become a commodity and it's hard to break out in all that clutter because everybody has, you know, their own t-shirt they want. And it's like custom, 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 you know? is just me chasing my tail every day. Yes, exactly. So hard. And really at the end of the day, the profit's not really worth me working 24 the hours. Effort, right. The effort. So <laughs> the margin for the heat press transfers would probably be less margin, but less effort too, yes. you know, and then you're hitting a certain minimum. And then also you also have that relationship, right? So direct-to-consumer is very fickle, right? They buy from you one time and sometimes they never come back. Uh, Whereas like you're building a relationship with boutique owners and oftentimes if you need to pivot, you'll be able to pivot with them. So if something happens to this heat transfer thing, eventually along the line, or you need to pivot because your life changes, you know, then you're able to do that because you have that relationship built. So I do think that that's more promising because of, your life the way it is right now. You know, you're a single mom, you have three kids and you hate to be away from them. The brick and mortar was sucking that out of you, but you're no longer an Etsy shop owner, a multi, you know, Etsy shop owner. I do have an Etsy shop going again that I'm running a little bit on the side. It's just now finally starting to pick up, but you know, I running that for five years, it takes time to grow the Etsy and to be able to get your products in the algorithm. It's not an overnight thing. Yeah. I don't know if you watch Shark Tank, but there was a, (laughs) (laughs) of course we all do. There was a business on there called Nardo's Naturals and they went from being, instead of direct to consumer, they bought, it's like natural skincare. So Mm -hmm. they would do like serums and retinol or whatever, you know, and eyelash and beauty and all this stuff. Well, direct to consumer, they made tons of money, but when they got their deal on Shark Tank, they flipped the model and instead became a white label, private labeler. So anybody who wanted to start a natural skincare brand goes to them. That's where they pick up the ready to go items that they literally put a label on, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's private labeling in that case. With yours, if they want a go-to design that's basically off the shelf design of a Mm -hmm. heat transfer and they don't want to come up with it, they don't want to do the graphic design, they don't want to do all that stuff. They save so much time and money and they just, if they already have the heat press machine, they're able to meet a need of their customers and they have all the worry of that boutique, right? Of, you know, they need to make sure they have the right margin. They need to make sure that they have the right sales pitch for that t-shirt and it's off of you, which is so nice. Yeah. And I really enjoy it. And the relationship that I'm starting to build with some of these boutique owners, we talk daily and I love the relationship building with them. It's so Uh And a one-time customer with yes. them, like, oh, Kristen, I love this. What else, what else can you do? Let's, you know, give me some yeah. ideas. And I, I thrive in that. Awesome. So do I introduce this to my Facebook page and say that, hey, this is what I'm doing. If you want to come enjoy the group. You could say calling all boutique owners. I have, you know, this arm of my business over here that I've really seen grow in the last few months. And I would love to share that with you. Come over here and I'll let you know what's happening. You know? Okay. Okay. All right. So question about the boutiques right now that are buying from you. What are they buying? What are they calling you for? School designs. School designs have been huge for me. I had a really popular design that went out and a lot of the Texas schools kind of, it just started leaking through the Facebook pages and they started contacting me like, Hey, can you design it up for this school and that school? And 
it's starting to kind of reach out other places. And that's what had started taking off. Plus Christmas designs right now too. When you say school designs, what, what does that look like to you? What is it that? Was, so it basically the design that I'm doing right now is a love design. Uh-huh. that says love and then it's replaced with different colors and graphics in it. And it's a full color print. So it's different than you're just single color vinyl, you know, type thing. And it's just something different that everybody hasn't seen being done by the schools. And then they're purchasing the, oh, cute. So they, so so they buy that and then they're putting it on their own shirts. The school is or the boutique is? The boutique is. And then they are reaching out to the schools and telling them, hey, we can do these. And the schools are doing it because they can get this whole t-shirt process a lot cheaper than going to screen prints. And they can shop local. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're wanting okay. to grow those locals. So, and then for Christmas, mm-hmm. what's the what's the thing that's selling for Christmas? Buffalo plaid. <laughs> Anything that's buffalo plaid. I have a, a blessed mama line that's really popular right now. Anything related to Grinch is very popular right now since the Grinch movie just came out. But the buffalo plaid, anything that like the deer that's in buffalo plaid that says "Oh dear," and I've done some that are like a buffalo plaid background with a truck and it says Merry Christmas. Those have been very popular. Cute. And so when the stores are buying from you, what are they typically asking you for? Like how many units are they asking for? The school stuff has been around 25 to 75 transfers at a time. And the Christmas stuff is usually around 10 to 15 at a time. Okay. So if you're going to go over to this model, so I have the traditional model of wholesale is something that I'm very familiar with. So so one, we want to look at your margins, which is your cost should probably be no less than two times to your wholesale, usually 2.2 or more. If you, if you could go seven, great, uh-huh. whatever you think you could sell it for, but okay. your cost to wholesale and your wholesale, typically a store will then want to mark it up at least 2.2, right? Okay. So if you're selling something to them wholesale for $10, they're going to want to resell it for 22. Now you're offering something to these stores that's like a customizable thing. So their margin might be less because they're going to make the margin on the full shirt. So it's sort of like cost. They're also going to be sort of buying it and then building it into the cost of their final product that they're reselling. So what Mina was saying earlier and is a big deal is for you to decide what's worth it and that you might want to come up with like, so for the next time that the school spirit type deal is happening, which will be September, you could also go the route of sororities, for example, you have to be careful. So you always want to make sure that you pick, you're allowed to do the colors. So I have worked with tons of clients at Designer Consulting Co-op by wanting to work with, they they do game day stuff, for example, and they pick the colors. No one's got a copyright on you being able to use like crimson and gold. Right. You just can't do the other side, right? Exactly. So you're going to want to set a a minimum for them and say, by the way, guys, I offer these shirts. These did amazing last year. It's a 25 whatever minimum. So it's worth it to you to actually customize something for them. So whatever makes it a minimum for you. And then get your orders in by the state. And then you could even give instruction on how to do it. You could give something like these are shirts you can buy. Here's a couple of places to go to just to kind of give like an added bonus. So that's one way for the school. And so that would be a high season for you. Then Christmas holidays and people are doing these sort of group shirts. Same thing. It's another time where you're thinking like gift giving and it could be again, something that you pitch the stores, but I'd like you to come up with what your minimum is going to be to be worth it for you to customize something versus you may have a stock program. You may come up with your designs for Christmas that are in stock. And then that's something that stores can buy from you and they might want to pick like six of each. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I would say six. I think your wholesale should be at least six because typically if they're buying shirts, they're going to usually do like, I see it's a one, two, two, one ratio. Mm -hmm. So you'll just want to do that six or eight pieces minimum. And then you could even do a package for them where you put like your three best sellers and say like six, six, and six of these or eight, eight, and eight. Here's the package. You don't discount the package, but you just make it really easy for them to decide. Okay. Okay. The more I have thought about this, I thought, I just feel like there's such a market here, especially with t-shirts being a commodity now and everybody's got a heat press and everybody's got, you know, everybody's got everything and, but not everybody has that skill that they love to design it. You know, they really want to just buy some, you know, everybody's looking for the design. So I feel like, you know, if I can pull it out of my own brain (laughs) and come up with that design and help other people out, I, I feel like there's a, there's a huge market there. I agree. I have clients that are starting lines, like let's call it an activewear line, and they want to do shirts. They have no graphic design bone in their body, right? So they're looking at wholesale shirts to add into their thing. Cause I tell them like, don't bother making shirts. It's, there's so many available in blanks, for example, and it's such a cost to find the fabric, make the fit, dye the fabric, all that. So I'm like, why don't you just pick blanks to see if it's even something your customers are going to want? But oftentimes they want to do something customizable. So if, if you were now a resource for me, for my clients, I'd be like, call Kristen and tell her sort of what you want. And maybe and that's like a, a little bit of a different business, but it's it's kind right. of like you have customizable graphics. You're kind of taking yourself into being a contractor of sorts. That's like a side part of your, your business. Yeah. And that is kind of what has been happening is one boutique has heard about me and then they're like, Oh, I'm using this girl. You know, you can contact her. She can customize it. And I think that's the big driving forces that they're like, Oh, we can customize it. You can do it just for me and for, and that is what everybody, and I can tell that even with a brick and mortar, everybody wants the customized. Yeah, I think that you should really target the business to business. So then the okay. the boutiques. So you just like what Jacqueline said, become the contractor to these boutiques. So okay. these boutiques, your avatar is basically these boutiques who want to serve the local organizations or businesses. So it could be boutiques that want to serve basketball organizations, for instance, or school organizations, or they want to serve the dance academy, you know, that would be really huge too. So big enough where you can, they wouldn't hit their minimums and you would be basically their go-to one-stop shop for heat transfers, a custom Mm -hmm. heat transfer, and then they, you know, do the process because that limits the risk for them too, because those heat transfers, they can put it on whatever garment they need to. Yeah. And that's what everybody loves. And if the design has been huge enough for me, then I usually send the artwork off and have them done as screen print transfers. So that's, it's screen print or HTV. I can print the HTV here in house and customize it and it goes out really quick. The screen prints do take a few days, but you can get a huge bulk order of those. And sometimes they like the screen print transfers better than the HTV. I had an issue buying, it's my first year in, in kindergarten, like <laughs> for school and PTA had spirit week and they were selling the shirts and it was so hard for me I, to buy because I'm in fashion and I'm like, Ugh, like they always look the same, you know, it's like Gregory yeah. school with the Eagle and it's yeah. sort of. And I think so, that's why that love design had done so well throughout Texas is everybody was like, oh, it's something that you haven't seen that the schools, you know, you always see the same, same pretty much. I design. love 
I love the ones that say class of like 2028 because you're like, oh my gosh, they're going to graduate. Yes. In oh my gosh, I'm so old. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how old I am. Yes. It's like when you go into a bar and they say like, if you, you, you have to be born in this year to be 21 and now it's like 1997. Yes. <laughs> I know. Yes, that's so, true. so we're talking about two models for you and this is sort of what you're going to, you're going to build out. So Facebook, I have a lot of clients that have done really well on Facebook, selling to their Facebook groups. We've talked Mm -hmm. about, we have a whole few episodes previously about video and how a lot of, we have listeners and clients that sell via video to their Facebook groups. Their Mm -hmm. fear sometimes is what happens if Facebook goes away. So no matter what, you should be capturing their emails Mm -hmm. and communicating with them outside of Facebook in case that happens. If you want to push in your group or your Facebook, because you've done what you told us pre-taping was that your accountant has told you, even though you got knocked out of Etsy, you're very close. Yeah. She's like, Kristen, you're not that bad. Yeah. You're hitting your, (laughs) you've started in July. Is that what you said? July. Yeah. July. And we are recording this in the very beginning of December of 2018. So it has been only some months. You've almost hit your number again from having multiple Etsy shops, yeah. just being able to build your presence on Facebook. So congratulations. Cause that's huge. Yeah. Okay. So you're doing I'm really well. Myself, so I'm like, okay, this got to go harder, harder. It's not good enough. You know, so. that, that pressure probably <laughs> drives you and you're yes, motivated, but you've, you've done a really, you've done a really good job and you have, that's one of your, we talk about like your platforms, right? So right mm-hmm. now, Facebook is one of your platforms. You're rebuilding your Etsy, but honestly, like you could eventually end up off of there. Yeah, I don't really want to be on there. I really, I mean, my website for Rustic Grace is starting to pick up. And so that it's the Facebook traffic that's now starting to purchase from Etsy or I mean, from the website. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, I don't really give that time to Etsy like I used to. I'm really starting to depend more on that website, which is the ultimate goal for anyone to be able to get to that website point. Yes. Because that is yours. You own that. Nobody's, you know, telling you what you can and can't do on that. Right. I think that this is really smart for you to pivot to be more business to business because when you think about future strategy, it could be instead that you're having a membership for those boutiques and you're teaching them about the processes and what they could do and how they can better serve their customers and how you can help them do that or whatever. I don't know what the membership would be, but it's a community driven thing. So if you listen to the podcast- you know that I was a graphic designer, corporate graphic designer. Yeah. Uh, well, my in a lot of times was because I knew about the manufacturing process. It was the commercial printing. I knew about four over four printing. I knew about CMYK. I knew about plate to press and I yeah. knew versus digital. And that was why they hired me because I could manage the entire thing. Now, mm-hmm. these are huge corporations that did that for a, you know, young Asian girl in her twenties, right? (laughs) You know, but because I knew the process, right? So I think that that's your edge, your strength, and that people need to rely on you to know about this different process, the heat press, the whatever the other one was, you know, Mm -hmm. the The multicolor one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that that will be your edge going forward in making more money in the future. So just keeping that in mind of how you want to structure a business, because it's probably not in selling tons and tons of custom t-shirts. No. And that's, I've been doing it for five years now. And it's just to this point where I'm like, okay, there's got to be an easier way for me to work because that's not going anywhere because it's just getting more and more saturated. And I know that everybody's like, oh, well, it all depends on if you stand out. 
I, I feel like that's even past that now. I mean, it's such a saturated market. And honestly, nobody wants to go in. If they can do it themselves, they want to buy just the design, take the design home and do it themselves. They don't want to buy a t-shirt if you know that you can do it at home. I know that. I mean, I have a hard time buying t-shirts from anybody if I know I can do it myself. So, so this is a great example. So again, like of the hot seat idea. So kind of getting you through a big decision you guys can do whatever you decide to do for your businesses. Like we have no, if you tell us tomorrow that you decided to go back into your brick and mortar and you're selling shirts only, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Quietly we might say no. <laughs> so I guess the takeaway here is that I think we're coming to the conclusion that you may have a couple avatars and you might have a new sort of revenue stream and, and it's focusing on that and mm-hmm. sort of easing your way out. So you could still do the shirts if you want, but to start looking at building this business of so perhaps for 2019, it's brainstorming out seasons that you might be able to pitch to stores, working with your current store list, because the biggest thing about you get that wholesale order. The biggest thing is the reorder. So you want the yeah. reorder, you want the next order. Yes. And then Probably then I would say seeing who you're at, seeing who's buying from you now, and then maybe finding other towns. So you sound like you're doing Texas. Yeah. Then you could take what's doing really well in Texas and maybe approach another place that has that, or somewhere that you might have another connection. So you might have a family member in another state or some sort of connection to another school. I um, do have a, a Louisiana contact and okay. I've sort of been asking for Mardi Gras. Yeah. So I haven't ever okay. done that before, but I'm excited to do something new. So and I just want you to come up with what your what your minimum is and okay. your pricing structure for the wholesale aspect. So making sure that like, if it's an X amount of colors that's being used, you know, you might have a, like a minimum or if there's a, some sort of customizing part of it, like a customization, yes. that there's a minimum to that because we have to pay you for your time of yeah. sitting at the computer and designing plus the printing and then getting the finished product. Okay. Another thing I wanted to point out with in our masterminds is that this strategy is very much growth strategy. That's why it's so important that we have a startup five-figure and six-figure group is because that's different, right? You already have your client base. You already have your email list. You already have some knowledge of how it is. And you're shifting to your your different idea of what your life is, right? Before you were an Etsy owner that had four Etsy shops, you had support of you know a partner helping you with the kids, kind of sort of whatever. But your life was different. So now you're you're not that anymore, and you had to pivot what your idea of how you want to make your money is, you know, because when it comes to at the end of the day, you're in growth, and you need to still feed your business and feed your kids too. Exactly. Exactly. And live the life you want to live, right? Yeah. I mean, this has turned into, you know, I was at home doing this. And so I was there for, I mean, what single mom gets to be there for their kids in the house every day. And it was such a blessing to be able to be in the house. A blessing and a curse. (laughs) (laughs) curse, Yes. Some days I'm like, do I have to pick them up today? But, you know, then once I switched to brick and mortar and I'm having other people help me and I'm like, and the kids are like, mama, why do you have to do this? Oh, you're never And it's seven o'clock by the time I walk in the door and then I have to do everything else. It's just like, okay, none of this is worth it anymore. And I don't yeah. love it. So yeah. at least you tried it and you know, it doesn't work for you yeah. and you're, I think I needed to try it to know. Yeah. And you still oh, have yeah. a roof over your head and everything's still moving along. It sounds like it's chugging along quite yeah. well. So congrats. So tell our listeners how they can find you. Okay, so you can find me at rusticgraceboutique.com. 
that is my website for Rustic Grace. And then you can also click, there will be links on there for my Pinterest, Instagram, and my Facebook page. The Facebook page at the end is Rustic Grace Boutique Shop. So there you have it, you guys. Wasn't that so awesome? It was so much fun for us. And we wanted to thank Megan and Deneen and Kristen again for being on the show. And thank you to you for sticking with us. I know it was a longer episode. We wanted just to really show you the coaching side of a hot seat. But just imagine that in a mastermind setting. You're also getting the viewpoints of your other masterminders. You're getting to hear multiple hot seats, you being one of them. You also get that goal setting that happens every couple weeks of you saying, here's what my goal is, and here is if I hit it or not. And then there's a closed Facebook group and the office hours along the way. We only have a couple more spots. Um, I think we have maybe one spot in each of those groups. It's really powerful to have separate groups because you get to hear specific struggles of somebody in the same stage as you. So again, I invite you to be a part of our mastermind. We would absolutely love to have you and spots are limited. So make sure you sign up today and check it out at www.theproductboss.com slash mastermind. And there's also the link in the show notes. Thanks everybody. Have a wonderful week.